Welcome everyone to the Obligations of Memory podcast from the Jewish Culture and Holocaust Remembrance Group on Facebook and YouTube. I'm Jeffrey Geisner and I'm honored to uh, be with my friend, um, Fred Zeidman from Los Angeles. Fred, I met several years ago when he produced uh, a film uh, that was quite an amazing journey for myself because it sort of matched up with some of the things that I've been working on. The film was The Presence of Their Absence. It was directed by two-time Emmy winner Donna Kantner, also from LA. And it really gave me a closer connection to Fred and we've been friends uh, virtually ever since. And so I've invited Fred today to uh, tell us a little bit about his personal story, start with his family. Um, both his parents were Holocaust survivors. So why don't we start there, Fred, and give a little bit of a background on your on the pre-war days of your parents and what camps they were, and then we'll take it from there. Sure. Uh, one correction, Jeffrey. I did not produce the documentary. Donna Cantor did. I was the subject of that documentary. Okay, thank you. Okay. So um, the question is, uh, my parents before the war and- yeah. And then what yeah. they did in the, what camps they were and so on. Oh, sure. Uh, my mother was uh, born uh, in Dombrova, Gornichka. And uh, my father uh, born in Radomsko, which is north of Chinstahova. But as a, a young boy moved to Benjen, uh, which is, right on the border of uh, Dombrovo Ganichka. Uh, they never uh, met each other. They didn't know each other before the Holocaust, but they met each other after being liberated at Bergen-Belsen. And uh, shortly after the liberation, they married and that uh, they stayed in Bergen-Belsen for, for five years. And uh, in 1947, my brother was born. Uh, prior to uh, prior to the Holocaust, I really don't know too much about either family. You know, they never shared uh, in anything or very little about about their uh, their life, their family, and members, and so on. So you said your brother was born in '47. When were you born? I was born in 1954, February 17, and I'm the first to be born in the United States. So let's go back a little bit. How did your parents make their way from Bergen-Belsen to, a, through a DEP camp, obviously, you may know something about that. And then how did they make their way to, did they go to the United States directly from Europe or did they make another stop somewhere else? No, the, well, yes. Um, first, uh, I think it's important to, to say that uh, they were in the Bergen-Belsen uh, DP camp for almost five years. Mm. They had no place uh, to go, evidently. Uh, I don't know why they didn't go to Israel, or why they didn't go to Australia, whatever. I don't know that story. But my father found a uh, uh, an uncle living here in Los Angeles. And uh, he had left Poland uh, prior to the Holocaust. Uh, years before and um, he was sent here by his family by his parents and sisters and, and such just to get out of Poland uh, and so he sponsored uh, my parents to come to uh, Los Angeles they entered the United States uh, 
through uh, New Orleans. And uh, I'm not sure how long they, they stayed in New Orleans, and I assume a very short time. And then they traveled to Los Angeles. They were picked up by my uncle Abe, Abe Dernsfeig, and uh, his family. And they already had in a place uh, apartment set up for my parents uh, in Boyle Heights, which became like the mecca of, of su survivors coming in from uh, Europe. Okay, so did you, um, so you were born shortly after they came, I guess in what year did they come? Well, they came in 1950, September 1950. I was born in February in 1954. So it was four years. Okay, and so um, how did they make their way? Did, they didn't speak English, obviously. And what was well, their, how did they make their way? What, were, how, were, what were their occupations? Were their, your mother stay at home with you too? Right, right. Well, the, the, my mother knew many languages, six or seven languages. And she picked up Esperanza uh, very easily and, uh, and English. She, she was pretty smart with language. Uh, my father, I guess it took some time, but they were able to get around because they were in a Jewish uh, neighborhood mm -hmm. community. Uh, now, I was born in 54, and I, I think it's important to say that after I was born, my mother had uh, problems, uh, psychological problems, and I was given up for uh, to a foster family. Hmm. I think approximately uh, six to nine months, something like that. And she couldn't handle she couldn't handle another a baby. My brother was already almost seven years old, and so I was sent uh, somewhere to, uh, west uh, of West Los Angeles and stay with a family. And was it a Jewish family? That I don't know. Hmm. I, I don't know. Now I just learned this uh, last week. Uh, my brother told me the story. I mean, it was just like my wow. parents. Yeah, my parents didn't discuss that part. I do remember my mother threatened me to uh, take me back to the the foster care, a foster care, um, because I wasn't behaving. Wow. And I thought she, I thought she was joking. I, I didn't know, but it, it wasn't a, a joke. So a wonder fam family took me in and my brother says that they will go visit me once or twice a week. And then when my mother healed and was ready to take on the responsibility, I went back. Went now, do, you think, do you think that your mother was suffering from Holocaust tr trauma? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt. She suffered, she suffered from that trauma for, for many, many years. And growing up, um, I remember when I was very, very young, she, I heard her crying uh, in her bedroom, talking on the phone, crying to uh, friends, crying to my father that she wanted to commit suicide. She, did, she didn't want to live anymore. She can't, she couldn't handle life. And um, I didn't know exactly what was going on. I just knew my mother was distressed. I, of course, uh, later on, I, I understood what she was going through. Well, what uh, kind of relationship did you have with your parents when you were growing up? Let's say you, you're obviously, you don't remember something beyond 
maybe earlier than four years old, but when you started to remember things, how was your relationship with your parents? It wasn't exactly uh, Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, <laughs> it, it was kind of distant in that they were, they were involved in trying to, to make a life, uh, a new life here uh, in America. And so the, I don't think they had much, especially my father, uh, parenting skills. My mother being the eldest of uh, six siblings, she did, but you know she had her issues. And although they were very uh, loving, you know, I never had any doubt about their love and dedication. They weren't the type to you know, uh, help out with schoolwork or uh, you know, take me on, on trips to, to you know, various places that would give me uh, experiences. My mother was pretty, uh, kept me on a leash growing up. And is that, uh, would your brother say the same thing or was it a different relationship with your brother? It was different with my brother. Uh, it was different. Uh, my brother, it was more uh, extroverted. And uh, he pretty much, uh, he, he wanted to be more independent and he was, but he was, I considered the favorite between the two of us. And I, I understand that because he was there in Bergen-Belsen and, and he, you know, he was the first and I'm, I was considered by my mother to be the Americana, <laughs> you know, and I remember a few times you say the Americana stinker. <laughs> so, okay. So it wasn't the same, it wasn't the same. So I didn't have the kind of growing up that uh, most Americans had, uh, even a second generation mm -hmm. uh, so did you, how did you make your way growing up? Did you play sports? Did you enjoy, yeah. did you enjoy uh, school or, or trades? Did you go to the university? Tell us a little bit about your life after you, yeah. you got on your own a little bit. Well, uh, as uh, when I was very, very young, uh, sports became natural and it gave me uh, an identity. I was going to a uh, yeshiva, uh, when I was young, uh, in the third grade, they figured out that the yeshiva wasn't for me. And so my mother took me to a public school in the third grade. And that's when I started to flourish. Uh, you know, I became, I felt more part of uh, society, more Americanized. I wasn't kept in a, in a shell. And sports really saved my life. It became, uh, it was very natural for me. Which sports were you? Natural athlete. I'm sorry. Which sports were you inclined to? Which sport? Baseball, yeah. basketball, and football. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that opened up uh, my social act activities, and I made a lot of friends, you know, through sports. Uh, as I got older, um, sports was very, still very dom dominant, uh, and uh, that's something I love and still do. And did you and, go, did you go to college through sports scholarships or how? how no, I didn't. No, that I didn't. And the reason is, and part of that is, I believe it's part of the, uh, the transfer trauma mm -hmm. that that is being uh, addressed nowadays. In that, um, I really didn't have support, you know, home support or support from anybody, and uh, so 
I wasn't pushed. I wasn't guided or anything like that. You know, and I was sort of lost in, in a way where I, I couldn't uh, do it for myself. But I went on to um, junior college, Santa Monica College. Uh, and uh, from there, uh, I decided that going into a business was better off for me. So I went into business. And what kind of business did you go into? Well, at that time, I went into the office supply business. Uh, what year was this? This, I, 1972, okay. 73, 73, something like 7374. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I was uh, still going to college uh, at that time. And then uh, I became involved, a part owner in a pharmacy with a couple of my, my older friends that were pharmacists. They wanted me to join in. And so we had... Uh, a pharmacy business uh, out in the valley, which was a great experience for me because I was handling the the front and the register, and I had to deal with a, a lot of uh, a lot of clients, customers of all kinds of uh, you know personalities, characters, issues, and things like that. I thought it was great for me. You know, it brought me out of my shell. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience. And from there, there were other businesses. I was in the shoe business and the lighting business. Okay. So you're obviously a, a multi-talented business person. So let's go a little bit. You raised the issue of inter intergenerational trauma, which many members of the group have, and they seek others like yourself and myself, who I, I grew up with two survivors. My parents never spoke about um, the Holocaust at all with me. And I've been on a journey just like you have, we'll cover that in a second, uh, to find out what my parents' roots were. But maybe you can describe some of the trauma that you've managed through and how you've managed through so other people can benefit from what you've learned and what you've experienced. Right. Uh, I wanna say, I'll start off by saying that I never heard of uh, transfer trauma until as, as recently as uh, several years ago. You know, of course, I, I, I knew I had anxiety. Uh, I had some depression. I had some other issues. I, I didn't connect to uh, transfer trauma. And, uh, and when uh, I became aware of it, it all made sense. Everything uh, fell into place that, yes, I, you know, I did in, inherited you know, these issues you know, from my parents, you know, my mother crying, being depressed, uh, helpless, that kind of thing. And I think a lot of us, uh, other second generations, probably feel the same. I felt I was the only one that, you know, were having these issues. I had, that's why I became uh, kind of like um, feeling sorry for myself, alone, and that kind of thing. But once I realized that there were others and there was a reason for it, that that was kind of uh, lifting. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that's for the fluttering. That's okay. And so I want to kind of jump ahead. I know your story well, but what you're talking about right now, I remember a scene in the film, uh, The Absence of the Presence, where you met Stephen Reese in Atlanta, and Stephen is a minister. Right. And Stephen, many many scenes challenged you to move forward. And I'm wondering if 
Steve became the surrogate for you in helping you over your trauma and that some of your hesitation may have been uh, a challenge um, that Stephen helped you with. So can you, am I right? Am I wrong? Well, uh, Stephen prepared me for- Maybe you can give our audience who Stephen is and what he's been doing for you. Okay. Uh, he's a doctor now, doctor of, of uh, philosophy. He just received his doctorship. Stephen Reese is the president of an uh, organization, organization he started called the Matsuva Foundation. And the foundation goal is to go to Poland and to restore Jewish cemeteries that have been neglected for decades and decades. And there are approximately 1,200 cemeteries in Poland. The overwhelming majority have been neglected. And if anyone who's been there, you'll see that the, the grass, the weeds are, are wild. A lot of the Matsiva uh, stones are, are covered, they're cracked, uh, they're, they're marred. And so, so our, can I ask you for our audience, you say this Matsiva stones, tell the audience what Matsiva means. Matsiva, it's a headstone. Okay. Okay, it's a headstone uh, written in Yiddish. And uh, so Stephen's organization, uh, mostly non-Jews, uh, go to Poland and to clean up these cemeteries. And at the same time, his goal is to reconcile, have a, a reconciliation of Poles and Jews, uh, and that we can understand each other and move forward. And that's one of the uh, most impressive things that Stephen uh, is doing. And I'll, it's a it's a tug of, tug of war issue because you know a lot of a lot of Jews don't want to go to Poland. For, for the obvious reasons. Uh, and um, so there's always these, uh, this prejudice against uh, the present day uh, Poles. Uh, I do remember, and this, this is uh, related that, I asked my father one time, do you hate the, the Germans or more than the Poles? And I expect him to say, yeah. And he says, no, I hated the Poles a lot more. And he was emphatic about it. So, uh, and I understood later on that growing up, he was, uh, there was a lot of abuse and anti-Semitism that he experienced the same with my mother. So uh, nowadays, when, uh, it's a current, it's a new uh, generation. When I went to Poland, I, I discovered that- when, when was that? Just to put some time dates on it. The first time, first time I went to Poland was, I believe, it was nine. Excuse me, 2016, 2015, 2016, uh, and I went there with a chip on my shoulder. I was going to go there. I was going to perhaps get the fights. I wasn't going to take any crap from any pole. I had a lot of a lot of animosity. I had some revenge on my mind. Uh, when I landed and it wasn't very long that I discovered that there were a lot of Poles who were really friendly, nice, and very helpful in ways that I needed at the time. 
as far as directing. Help us understand why you went to Poland. Well, I went to Poland of, to do the documentary, mm -hmm. but I always wanted to go to Poland. And prior to meeting Donna Cantor, I had planned to go uh, with my cousin Mary to uh, to Poland, uh, and uh, we almost went, but uh, we didn't. And then Donna came into the picture, and Donna was herself. Uh, uh, she's probably maybe second generation, excuse me, a third generation survivor, and she wanted to know more about the Holocaust. And so uh, we clicked. Can you tell us what your specific reason for going to Poland other than you wanted to? Wasn't there a reason that you wanted to go to Poland? Well, yes. My primary reason was to go where my ancestors once lived, be, go to the places where my parents had grown up, to kind of fill in the, the cracks of my past, uh, to experience uh, actually who I am, who my parents were, my grandparents uh, who were, were killed. And I just wanted to get that, that feeling and, and absorb it. Uh, that was my primary reason for going. I actually, uh, I was telling other people, I just want to uh, breathe the air in Poland and look up at the sky. And so I could relate that uh, to my ancestors. I could, that's a way of, for me uh, for connecting. Mm -hmm. And so that was the primary reason uh, for going. And was your trip successful? Very, yeah, yes and no. I was going to say very successful, but it wasn't because I went there looking for photos of my grandparents, aunts and uncles, and I didn't find it. Although I did find uh, birth certificates of my aunts and uncle, and I found uh, the wedding certificate of my grandparents. And that was a, a success in its own way because they, they were, my grandparents had to uh, signature the birth certificates of my aunts and uncles. So for the first time I see their handwriting. Mm -hmm. It's my first connection, it's the only thing I have. And I run my finger over the signatures and over the paper where their hand had to be placed and the pen, you know, and, and that was my connection. Beautiful. Physical connection to my grandparents. And that meant the world to me. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah, and so that was my way of connecting. I still don't know uh, what three of, of my four grandparents uh, look like. Uh, I have no idea what the, my two aunts and, and two uncles my brother's siblings look like. Uh, I did find a lot of information, you know, through my research and going to Poland. And, uh, but I still haven't found those photos, so I can't say it was very successful. Okay, and so how did you, how did you connect to Stephen? And I know having watched the film, um, the absence of, I, the, you know, the yeah. film, how did you, motivate yourself to go with the challenge from Stephen to go to Poland? And then what did you find in Poland when you were both together? It wasn't difficult to uh, be motivated because I, I was already motivated. Mm -hmm. And the connection was made through by Donna Cantor. So the documentary was already uh, 
in the procession. Uh, well, Donna introduced you to Stephen. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know what, I, I think we both met him for the first time together. Okay. She had heard about him through a friend who uh, goes to the temple in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And Stephen uh, was teaching about the Holocaust. He was lecturing there. He had classes. And uh, she contacted him and said, we're coming. And then we had a meeting. Uh, the first time I met Stephen, Donna and I walked into one of his uh, classes uh, about teaching the Holocaust to people who really didn't have much of a clue about it. And that was our first meeting. And then after that class, uh, Stephen and I sat down uh, and uh, discussed uh, you know, what we're doing, told him what I, I was doing, and told him my family history. And uh, he explained to me uh, what I, I was supposed to uh, expect when I got there and his mission and so on. And we connected and we're still, we were close friends. Mm -hmm. I love the guy. He's, very sincere. He's very sincere and honest in everything he does. And so uh, he set the, he got me ready for, for Pullman mm -hmm. pretty much. And uh, one of the most profound things in my life was shared by Stephen. And it was because of uh, Stephen. Uh, we were in the Radomsko Cemetery where my great-grandparents are buried. Mm -hmm. And uh, aunts, and then my, a lot of my ancestors are buried in the Radomsko Jewish Cemetery. Where so, is that, and where is that located? As Radomsko is approximately 60 miles north of Chenstehova. Okay. Maybe 100, 100 plus miles from uh, west of Warsaw. Okay. So... Yeah. In, yeah, so there, it was a fairly large Jewish community there. So we had the coordinates of where the my grandparents' graves were, but it was Stephen who found them and first, and he would wave his hand. Your grandmother's over here, Fred. Come over here. Your grandmother's here. Your grandfather is here. I found your grandfather. And, and so we, we went, uh, I went to the, uh, the Mativa, to the gravesite. And uh, I didn't know uh, what I was feeling exactly. You know, I, I couldn't process it. It was all new. And Stephen was talking to me and giving me insight uh, that, um, that I'll never forget. Uh, he was telling me that um, my great-grandparents never knew about what was going to happen to their children. And that there was a deep, endless, bottomless pit between life, their life, and the life of, of their children because of the Holocaust. And um, that it was basically um, my responsibility, responsibility for second generation people to uh, uh, carry on the the legacy of their parents because they couldn't go backwards. They couldn't go, they really couldn't go forward without living with the past. And so, and we'll never fill in that crack. It, it's a gigantic, it's like the Grand Canyon, you know, before and, and after. So uh, he explained that to me and he was just 
very positive. He said, there's not much greater thing than to go back and take care of the, the grave sites of their, your ancestors, your great grandparents. My grandparents, there's no way, there's no way I could, uh, you know, visit their, their grave sites and they were murdered. They were gassed and the majority of them and including uh, my aunts and uncles, they went, they were either went to, they were half of them went to Auschwitz, the other half went to Treblinka. So uh, there's that big gulf. And Stephen got me uh, to, he gave me insight to go to understand it and to move forward. And I truly well, I appreciate him. I want to ask you a couple of questions because I know we're getting close to the end of our time here. Oh, okay. Um, but I wanted to say your movie uh, with, uh, produced by Donick Cantner came out in 2019, if I'm correct. And that unfortunately smacked into the COVID pandemic for two years. But what has been the reaction that people who have seen it and have connected back to you can you share with our audience? Again, the film is The Presence of Their Absence, uh, wow. film that's on Amazon. You can actually uh, stream it from there. It's a, it was done in 2019. Uh, for those who are very interested, it's, it's, I can recommend this movie. It is a fabulous, fabulous, poignant movie and it touched my heart in such deep ways. So I'm sure, I'm sure you're getting tremendous amount of feedback. So please share some of it. Well, yes, especially before COVID. Uh, personally, I'm very surprised by the positive reaction to it. Uh, most of the screenings that uh, we attended were were uh, full. Uh, they were packed. The audience was packed, and the response was was absolutely great, uh, especially among the second generations. Uh, because you know they could relate to it, and they had issues as well that they couldn't uh, process all these years. But it be, it it had great uh, success as far as reviews, newspaper reviews, uh, and uh, we had questions and answers. And usually the audience stayed past the uh, the time allotted mm -hmm. for the Q and A's, and uh, it was. It was, uh, I guess, so impressive and inspiring that Yad Vashem and the LA Museum of the Holocaust co-sponsored uh, screenings. Uh, it was screened in Atlanta, in New York, uh, in in um, Tel Aviv at yeah. the Cinematheque, and which was uh, a thrill for me. I wasn't able to go to the to the event. Donna was there, and she had to handle everything. But my newly found cousins attended mm. and my newly found cousins, the wonderful, wonderful people. They attended the screening and that was, you know, that met the world to me. My cousin told me that the reception was, was wonderful. I don't want to give away the, the film, but people right, right. watch the film because they, you, you meet your cousins in Israel who you never, you've never met before. I met a lot of cousins. I met a lot of cousins I've never met before. Wonderful, wonderful people. So to conclude, what are you doing now? How are you, how are you paying it forward? I know you're still involved very closely with the Holocaust Center in the, in Los Angeles. So talk a little bit about what you're doing. Well. 
I visit uh, several Holocaust survivors uh, twice a week, maybe a little bit more. It all depends. Uh, and uh, they're very important to me. Survivors are a big part of my life and who I am. So I try to uh, visit, volunteer, uh, donate, and do whatever I can to keep the memory alive and give them all the respect that they deserve. I'm also participating with the Cafe Europa group here in Los Angeles mm -hmm. that, that is being run by Jewish Family Services. I go to, uh, to their group uh, activities uh, once a week. So I stay involved with, with that. And there's no doubt that the Holocaust survivors are mean, mean the world to me. I know Susan is in charge of the Cafe Europa. I know Susan from well, you do. the group as well. So you say hello to her from me. Yeah, yeah. She's known as Susie. Yeah, we so, call okay. Susie. Yeah. So I, I, I know this we can talk for hours, but I do must ask you, because you are in a unique position to answer the question. You've now watched Russia invade Ukraine. You've watched the over the, the ref, more than 6 million, I believe, at last count, refugees moving across the border into Poland. Many of them are Jewish, some many of them are not. How, how does this all hit your bones? When you see what's going on in the Ukraine, you were in Poland. Tell us mm -hmm. about what, you, what your gut feeling is as you watch what's happening. My gut, well, my gut feeling is a horrific, uh, part of our history that's, uh, that's going on. Uh, I'm very happy that Poland has taken in a lot of the, a lot of the polls and I was, I'm surprised, I was really surprised, but I, I'm glad they did. And knowing that the Ukraine in the past during the Holocaust were helping the Nazis, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, destroy the Jews. But I become, uh, with my experience of the documentary and going to Poland, is that it's a whole different generation uh, and that it, it's really not fair to, to tie in the Ukraine's uh, the past to the present day uh, Ukraine, especially considering that the leader is uh, Jewish. But it's a horrific uh, thing going on over there and uh, it, it hurts, it breaks my heart and makes me very upset that, that all these people are being slaughtered for absolutely no reason. And there, there is a correlation between that and what uh, you know, our families during the Holocaust were going through the Shoah. I'm not gonna say it's exactly the same because it's not, but there's a lot of similarities. And I feel personally that it's my responsibility and perhaps responsibility of other Jews to help out uh, these people who are being persecuted and killed because uh, you know, our our families were going through the same thing and nobody was helping. So I take it very personal what's going on and try to be, try to make a difference in my way. Well, again, I think that's a great way to end the segment. I again wanted to tell people to go to Amazon, watch the movie, The Presence of Their Absence with yes. Fred and Donna Kantner, who is the Emmy Award, two-time Emmy Award producer and director. And also Stephen Reese is, is, plays a part in this film as well. So again, I want to thank you yes. uh, for, for being my honored guest here and for bringing your story to our family of 
second generations, third generation survivors, and fourth generations. You're very welcome, and it's an honor for me. And Jeffrey, I uh, I considered all of us a second generation, uh, and third, and so on, as one family. So I consider you a brother, and you know, and there are you know with other people there are political differences, but you know we're all brothers and sisters. I agree. And I personally I consider family. Thank you very much. I appreciate well, that. Well, thank you very much. Thanks okay. everybody for listening.